The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hola, amigos! The Miguel Wise Show is back from our luxurious Mexico City studios. We will catch up on the top NBA story in Mexico. But first, well, Darlene, how's to thing? That's Spanish to do your thing. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Gracias, Darlene. Last week we came to you from the Mexico City Bureau, and, you know, you can't beat the weather. Um... Look, my family and I just celebrated our first Dia de los Muertos. That's the Day of the Dead. Several listeners wrote in and said um, they think the show is dead. It's not. <laughs> We're with you, man. This week, my producer, Bruce Bernstein, joins me from New England as he watches with great concern since his Celtics have stumbled out of the gate. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Mike. Uh, I want to compliment you. I don't know how many folks will be able to actually see this, but I want to compliment you on your sartorial splendor with your um, sombrero with a bunch of like skulls across it and something that looks like an acid trip from the 1960s for your T-shirt. You're either really embracing the local culture or you become like some like sicko Satan worshiper south of the border. But before we before we go green... And we will go green. Let's go back to the future with those unforgettable, unforgettable Chicago Bulls. What do you say, Mike? <laughs> that sounds good, Bruce. Can I kill um, the music now? I love it. You can't get rid of this mariachi music. It's so good, right? Yeah, um, yes, we can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so here's the deal. I, um, like, I, I have been enjoying the culture. Like, when you grow up in... The United States, all you know is Halloween and candy and scaring the hell out of people. Um, down here, you get a little bit of that, but you get more like, yeah, they actually remember the dead. They actually care about old people. It's a weird thing. And uh, anyway, we did like one of these offerendas where you do like an altar and you put your pictures of your um, you, the deceased people in your family or the pet, pets you loved and lost up and um and you put out things they liked so it was great you know we did like luli the dog had little dog food um my dad and uh, christina's dad um unfortunately we had to use beer but that's another story and um yeah it was just a it, it was a very good holiday and we went to a parade with all kinds of skeletons the kids loved it anyway um the bottom line is scotty pippen uh, it should have been part of Day of the Dead because he looks like a skeleton some days. Um, and, and, but he's, he's resurrected the story of him and Michael in his new book, Unguarded, with my friend Michael Arkish, who I believe is going to be on the Catch and Shoot show. Um, and 
I just, you know, I, like I, I, I'm tired of the last dance talk for one, because as much as being part of it was fun, um, I feel like I've already relived it. But Scotty went off on Michael. Your thoughts? First of all, I'm going to cut Scotty a little bit of slack because the man's previous year has been filled with very sad, you know, kind of news. I mean, look, he lost. Yeah, his I son. saw that. I don't. Did that yeah. get in the book at all? I'm not sure, but I mean, it, it very well might have. His son Antron passed away in April at the age of 26. And who knows what, I mean, look, you were talking about, you know, dearly departed folks a few minutes ago, who knows what kind of, you know, PTSD type of effect that can have on a person. That said, Scotty's been bitter about Michael for a really long time. So, I mean, it may have been exacerbated by his, you know, grief and I'm not yeah. a shrink, so I don't want to try and get too deeply into that. But look, Scotty, um, back in the day i mean look we all remember the last dance and we remember the terrible contract that he signed and you know he he was underpaid for a long time although towards the end of his career he signed a very lucrative contract when he was well past his prime so you know while he may feel bitter about a lot of things in many ways you know that second contract that he got after he was done with the bulls could have you know somewhat offset the money that he lost but that said i mean look he uh scotty doesn't feel like he got his due from from michael he he's but but you know what scotty there's only one michael you right. know that's well, the way it goes I, everybody everybody's look i mean everybody has their own take on this and being close to it and having covered those guys and he's gotten to know scotty a little i mean but not to the point where we're tight like me and Shaquille or somebody like, but Scotty was one of these guys who um, there was always, he never had the social graces of Michael, do you know, where he just like my, Michael could be running a con on you, but he could charm the heck out of you. He wouldn't even use words correctly because, but because it was Michael Jordan using them he, when he would go quite naturally, we would go, Oh my God, Michael told us quite naturally. And it was sort of like, we were so enamored by all Jordan was, especially if he paid attention to you. And there is a magnetism about the guy. I mean, I remember being at the Burrow Center in Chicago during the height of the Bulls uh, dynasty. And if Michael Jordan was in, uh, surrounded by a scrum of a hundred reporters, and he often was, and he looked at you to answer your question. Oh my God, it was like, it was you and Michael in the room together. It wasn't anybody else. And so, so I get it. Um, you know, you're living in that shadow. Everybody's a lot of people because of their leanings are saying, shut up, Scotty, you were lucky to have played with what many consider to be the greatest player of all time. I have a diff slightly different take. I think Scotty was a different guy. And I even saw a kind of a caustic interview with him in the New York times this week. Um, where he just, he, he, he answered, the, he didn't like the reporter. And I didn't think the reporter, uh, the guy who did the Zoom with him did a great job. Um, the, the interesting thing about Scotty is there is a lot more to him, but you have to almost draw it out of him. You know, he, he'll give you the narrative of the standoffish guy if you want, and, it, and, he, and you piss him off. But he's also a guy that, you know, he has some really interesting thoughts. And my, my take on it is, you know, not, not that Scotty's right in slamming Michael. It's his opinion. He can say whatever he wants. My opinion is 
Um, let's be clear. Everybody says Scottie Pippen was nothing and he never won anything without Michael Jordan. You know what Michael Jordan won without Scottie Pippen? Zero, my friend. Zero. So, so it was a one-two banana. And the top banana was Michael and everybody knew it. And Scottie was the second banana. They know the Bulls don't win those championships without Scottie Pippen clogging the defensive lanes and, you know, sliding over to defenders and knocking away deflections like nobody thought he could. And some of the big shots and some of the big rebounds. Yeah, he was all, uh, Scottie Pippen to this day has the perfect basketball body. If I could have a basketball body, I mean, man, he had the long arms. He was so sinewy. Yeah, you know. And yeah, he came up from a different route than Michael Jordan did. I never had any problem with Scottie Pippen going off. And, you know, and, and, you know, Phil Jackson might've not been racist taking him out that time. And I would never say, I would never agree with Scottie. And he's also walked back those comments, but look, um, however that play went down, you don't take Scotty Pippen, your best player. And, you know, Kukoc wins the game. Who cares? They still didn't go to the championship that year. You took, you removed your best player from the court. No coach in his right mind does that. And so, so I could see how Scotty felt disrespected on that Kukoc play from, what was it, what, what would have been 95? 94, I believe. It was, the first, okay. it was the first, the year the Knicks went to the finals, I think. It was, the Knicks, it was yeah, that okay, year. so. So whatever, you know, like, look, you were part of a dynasty. Um, you didn't get paid till later, but he's right to some extent. And he brings up some really interesting points. I don't know if it's ever been confirmed that Michael got 10 million. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He was the editorial director. He and his people were the editorial directors of his own documentary. Can you imagine if Muhammad Ali got to be the director of his own documentary? Uh, he, you would have thought he was a saint. Um, he a, but he I saint. liked Ken Burns's <laughs> portrayal better because he he gave you the full Ali, and everybody in Ali's camp knows that's who the guy was, and they had no problem with it. So, so yeah, I, you know, a person that a person should never have control, editorial control over their own documentary because it doesn't give the real picture. Well, it was more of a, de- a business decision than it was an editorial decision. But see, yeah. the thing about Scotty. Scotty, you know, people maybe don't really remember Scotty was on that original dream team. So, you know, that was the greatest team ever put together. Scotty Pippen was on it. And not only was he on it, he was a major participant. I had some limited dealings with Scotty when I was at ESPN. He came to us for a while as an NBA analyst on some of the ABC games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to give Scotty some credit here because when he first started out doing, you know, analysis, you know, Scotty wasn't always the most polished when it came to how he would speak. You know, he had, yeah. you know, he's from, a, you know, a rural area and I'm not putting down rural people, but just simply a lot of times we speak the way people we grew up with spoke. I mean, when I grew up in the yeah. Massachusetts area, I had this wicked bad Boston accent, which I, you know, was able to lose, you know, uh, along the way by not living there. But Scotty to you, me. You parked your car in the Harvard Yard. That's right. And there's nothing no, worse than a fake well, Boston accent. There's nothing worse than a fake. Nothing. I mean, there's just not. Anyway, yeah. um, so so Scotty, I'm going to I'm going to give Scotty some credit here, because when he first started out, I mean, he sounded, you know, he didn't sound so good, but he really worked on it. And, and towards the end of his TV time, when he was working with Rachel Nichols on the jump, 
he was so much better. I mean, he always yeah. was able to make good points, but his delivery became much more polished. And he sounded, you know, he, he still sounded like Scotty, but he just sounded better. He was a better version of Scotty. So, um, you know, he's got the chip on his shoulder, no question about it. Um, but, you know, look, when it, it, it doesn't always go our way. I mean, you and I have both been, you know, second fiddle to people that maybe we wish we hadn't been second fiddle to. That's the way it goes. That's life, right? I mean, who who have I been second fiddle to? I have no who, who I can't think of anybody. Um, oh, maybe Wilbon Kornheiser, Sally Jenkins, and Thomas Boswell when I was a columnist at the Washington Post. I was like, I I batted ninth on Murderer's Row. You're right. Um, oh, and I, and maybe I, at the New York Times when Maureen Dowd was there and Frank Rich and every other sports columnist like our good friend Harvey Ariton. And, 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 um, maybe, maybe everywhere I've been, you're right. Never mind. Go ahead. Doesn't, doesn't mean that you're not a hall of fame caliber journalist. It just doesn't always, you know, look, sometimes we think more of ourselves than the rest of the world thinks of us. Although I think extremely highly of you, Mike, and in, in spite of that, you know, hat that you had on before I give you great credibility. We're going to see that hat in the promo, by the way. Where that's that thing is going back on for the promo. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why this whole pod and like, you know, we put some of them like the Stern one and Jeannie Buss on the YouTube. I don't know why the, the, every week I'm not on YouTube. My face, my mannerisms, that could sell this thing a lot more than the content I'm giving. You want to know something? When we yeah. decide which of today's topics is going to be our quick hitter, yeah. That's going on YouTube. So I want you to put your best sartorial foot forward when we do that. So, you know, because we've got a bunch of topics we can go down and, you know, sure. we can just, I, I can give you some of them now. We can decide which one's going to be our, our quick hitter. And then you can, you know, you can dress for the yeah. success. Yeah. Give the folks the rundown. Give them, give them the PTI All right. screen. All right. So we've given, we've done the Scotty Pippen. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers of the East, also known as the Washington Wizards. Um, we're going to talk about the hot mess in Boston uh, with my beloved Celtics. Um, we're going to talk about the Miami Heat, who are just like killing it right now. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about the West Coast version of the Lakers. Uh, are they maybe getting it together? We're going to talk about the Knicks, who, by the way, let's tap the brakes on the Knicks after losing to Indiana by like 13. Indiana previously like two and six. Um talk about Steph Curry. We can talk about refs not calling fouls on flailing shooters. I mean, if there's any one of those topics that you just know, that's going to be the one. We'll make sure to have a wardrobe malfunction and change before we start <laughs> that. All right, good. <laughs> I, I personally want to get your Celtics out of the way as quick as I can, because I, I know that most of our listeners don't care. And they just really, they only listen to what you say about the Celtics because they feel sorry for you. And they're, <laughs> they're pathetic. Brad Stevens is a hellish GM. He's a heavenly coach. You think the, I, I think the, uh, I, I think the, the, he's been found out. And, um, and, and bottom line is Jason Tatum is the most privileged, um, entitled um uh, non-MVP candidate in America. Like, what is it with that begging for these calls? I mean, it's like LeBron circa 2005. 
Uh, every time he gets fouled, it's as if um, three people with assault rifles got him from the ceiling. I mean, he actually he, he flails. He's all over the map. He's complaining. I love Jason Tatum. I want him to be a uh, MVP candidate one day. I, you know, but I just don't understand how you can um, act like you deserve something when you haven't taken what most people would agree is the greatest franchise in the history of the NBA to they haven't been to the NBA finals since 2010. We're going on 20, we're going on 12 years. The Celtics haven't been to the finals. That's gotta be a record. Um, I don't know if it's a record or not. I mean, they had a pretty big dry spell after the 1986 championship. It was, it was a while, but that said, I agree with you about, about Jason Tatum. He's a brilliant offensive player. He is an indifferent defender. He doesn't move his feet that well. He he has capabilities as a defender. I've seen him block shots, okay? But in my mind, I think Jason Tatum thinks, well, if I block two shots tonight, I had a good game defensively. But meanwhile, there's people waltzing to the basket for layups because their team defense has not been in sync even a little bit in the early part of the season. I know Marcus Smart kind of, you know, had a statement a few days ago about, you know, the two J's got to pass a little bit more, whatever. I think what he meant is they got to pass it to me a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but Marcus Smart, I, I'm always going to cut that guy some slack because yeah, he, he will work. He works like he works like nobody. Yeah, he's a he's a relentless, just a buzzsaw. He's like he's like a better version of Patrick Beverly. Okay, just a yeah. a, a pest, a brute, a perimeter terror on defense. So. But for me, I look at that team and I say, okay, their offense could have a little bit more flow to it. That is true. But their defense to me and their lack of rebounding is far more of a concern for me. And I, and I believe that uh, – and, and, and this is basic basketball 101, Mike, and you know this better than anybody. When you're a good defensive team and you pound the boards, you can overcome poor offensive nights. You can win a game in the low 90s or the 80s, even if your shot's not falling, if you're willing to put in the work. And I don't. How much see... is that? How much is it? How much of that is coaching, though? Well, you got a rookie coach, and he's probably got a new system in there. And I'm that's why I say I'm not ready to jump off the roof of the TD Garden just yet. Uh, they had a win against Orlando on Wednesday night. Although they get, we're taping this on Thursday early afternoon. They have Miami tonight on a back to back. Yeah. Or... They can somehow or another have a good performance against Miami, maybe eke out a win. Then I think that might kind of propel them in the right direction. But if they have a stinker against Miami where they're out of it early or they just get blown away in the fourth quarter, um, you know, they, it, it will further expose some of their early season flaws. Um, their best player really all around so far has, has certainly been Jalen Brown. But, but Al Horford, who's like almost as old as us, um, he's played really, really well. And I think, uh, you know, he's a guy who, who doesn't talk a lot. He just goes out there. He works. He's leading the league in block shots. He's 35 years old, right? He's just been balling. Al like Horford is leading the league in block shots? I believe in blocks per game. Yeah. If he's not leading, he's definitely in the top two or three because it's early in the season. So one guy has a great game. Those numbers can move a little bit. But he has just been crazy on defense. They need to follow his example. Follow what the old guy's doing, Mike. Coach Udoka's got to get his uh, his act together. He does. You know? He does. Let's let's let's. Let, I know you're not Brad Stevens out of the box, but 
you got to get these guys to work harder. That's all it is. That's all there is to it. Um, the, the, you know, and, the, and I'm of these, I'm of the opinion, same with the Knicks um, for the last, you know, it feels like a millennium, but it's been about 20 years. You know, if the Knicks aren't, if the Knicks aren't in the hunt in the East, it's not the East. If the Celtics aren't in the hunt in the East, it's not the East to me. It's never been the East. And so I, you know, I'm not one of these people that likes to go through cycles of good teams and bad teams. Okay. Trey Young's a great player. I want to see Atlanta get to the finals one day. Great. I'll, I'd love to see it happen, but not at the expense of the Knicks and the Celtics being lousy for another 10 years. Uh, that's important. The Knicks look like they were on the path to something. I don't know. You know, Tom Thibodeau is, uh, is a very good coach. He has a shelf life of three years everywhere he goes. And that's who he is. Um, and I know, you know, Tibbs, Tibbs will join the show one day. It'll probably be after he's fired by the Knicks because um, he doesn't like to talk during the season. But nonetheless, um, I, I like them. I think they have some great parts. I'm still blown away. I know they lost last night, but I'm still blown away. The Wizards, the Wizards are playing some basketball off the top. And, you know, that trade for Russell Westbrook and half of the, the Lakers roster doesn't look bad right now. We're talking Kyle Kuzma. We're talking Montrell Harrell. Montrell Harrell is a guy that he's like an X factor for any team he goes to. You know, he's like the Draymond Green kind of character where he just, if you put his minutes into a statistical analysis machine, you'll find that when he's on the floor, good things happen for his team. And, and so I, I just, I like the Wizards right now. I like the Wizards. If Beal gets his act going, Anything can happen with them. And I'm not saying finals. I'm saying they could go to the second round this year. I've watched both of their games against the Celtics, which they won both of them. Okay. Um, Montrez Harrell. Well, that's not hard. Beating, beating the Celtics right now is, is like, uh, is like seeing a five-year-old on the street and, and asking him for candy. And if he doesn't give it to you, backhand him. That's what the Celtics are right now. They're the kid who gets their candy stolen from them. They, they, some, somebody takes their lunch money and beats them up. Is that what you're saying? That's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's look, like a Brockton. I story. went, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you ever went to one of those schools. Um, I, um, yeah. I mean, the kids at my school that took their lunch money, they took their parents' lunch money. These kids were so tough. <laughs> but, but Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, um, and uh, um, KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, put them with Bradley Beal. And uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who came over there, you know, I mean, that is a that is a very strong starting. Well, six, really, because Trez has been coming off the bench. But uh, yeah. that guy's all all guts and heart and blood and guts. So um, there's this toughness to that team that is sort of a new thing there. So uh, and also their coach, Wes Unsell Jr., off to an excellent start there. So we're happy for him. Yeah, and I remember him being like not the video coordinator, but he was sort of so lowly on the totem pole on the Wizards coaching set like years ago. Like he was just like, wait, you just got the job because your dad. And the guy was quiet. He was humble, always nice and never said anything and just put his nose to the, uh, the grindstone. And lo and behold, paid his dues and now is an NBA head coach. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really happy for him as I am all, all these guys that I knew younger when they were like literally, you know, I, I've got at least 20 years on Wes Unsell Jr. 
but to see him become like all grown up as a head coach, kind of cool. It's, you know, it's like anybody, it's anybody, like, it'd be like you seeing somebody in TV that, you know, just started out real green and all of a sudden they're hosting their own show. It's cool. It's fun. Or, run, or running a network. <laughs> or running a network. Well, and the ones no that you don't, and the ones no that you don't think should be doing it too. Like we could go on about that for all day. No Luckily, names. I, I didn't sign any NDA. Maybe you did. Go ahead. No, but one of the things that I like to watch when I'm watching a game, I like to watch how coaches handle themselves on the sideline. You know, how do they, and, and one of the things I really liked about Wes Hunsell Jr., I really like his sideline demeanor during the game. He doesn't look like a rookie coach. He looks like a guy who knows he belongs. Yeah. He's been there for a while. He knows how to comport himself. Um, he's not screaming at referees. He's he's you know he's 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 focused and he's and he's on top of it so i think that bodes very very well for his team and his future as a coach mike no i agree i'm 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 all about it um i don't know if lebron james is going to turn this season around um i don't uh, my gut is if he's healthy and anthony davis is healthy um and Ru russell westbrook eventually adjusts to that team I think they're as good as anybody in the West, but that's just me. Um, I, I still, man, the Warriors and Utah have started really fast. Um, I, I mean, Steph Curry is Steph Curry. I, like when he's on and he's just, I don't know, he's just changed the game with how far he can shoot from and how accurately. And I'm just, I, I every, every morning I get up and the Warriors play, I get the Lakers full highlights on my phone and my son gets up at 6 a.m. here in Mexico City to get both of them to get on a bus at seven. I just give him the phone, make breakfast for him. And I say, go look at these highlights. And he's mesmerized. He's mesmerized by Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, sometimes LeBron. And and he loves Giannis. Those are I think those are his top four right now. You know, we thought we always th think of Steph Curry because he has such a youthful face as being, you know, kind of eternally young. He's he's 33 years old now and he's playing his best all around ball that I can remember. I mean, he's he's shooting. Uh, he's he's making just under five threes a game, which is probably right up amongst his best numbers ever. He's averaging nearly 27 a game, 7.6 rebounds a game. OK, and just under seven assists. So this guy's playing the all around. I mean, those are like LeBron James numbers when it comes to all around numbers and the team is six and one. Um, so yeah, bravo for, for the Warriors, bravo for Steve Kerr. Hopefully when Clay Thompson eventually returns, that's going to help put those guys back into the, to, to, to a permanent spot near the top of the West. Well, and also it just goes to show you like uh, Bob Myers, the GM, where he had a couple of tough years trying to fill in, try, trying to get past the dynasty days, move some people around, bring bring somebody Andre Iguodala back, character guy. Um, like Otto Porter, his numbers haven't been great, but he's I can't tell you what a presence a guy like that is, not only in the locker room, but on the floor. He's just a solid guy. He, he knows how to play the game. He, he understands he's not the number one guy and he's just like he's, he's a great role player you know in, in the not in the same vein as Draymond Green because I think Draymond does 
multiple things, but, but in his own way, Otto Porter is, is a real special pickup for them. And it, it goes to show you um, that the chemistry, you, you, you can't shake a finger at chemistry. You can get all the stars you want, but if, if the right parts aren't put around them, that team's going nowhere. Now, I will say this. I mean, in looking at the Warriors' early season schedule, they haven't had the toughest schedule so far, but I don't even really care because how you set the tone for your season, coming out, winning six out of your first seven, the only game they lost was in overtime, okay? So they could very easily be undefeated at this point. So setting the tone early, uh, I think matters more and good for them that they had a, a you know, less of a challenging schedule to begin because now they got some, you know, some wind at their back. And I think that's going to help propel them. And, you know, another team that's in that mode is Miami, Mike. Miami looks like a bunch of badasses out there to me. They're, they're good. They're just, I can't say enough about Spo. Eric Spolstra is going to go in the Hall of Fame one day, not just because he won two championships as LeBron's coach in Miami and Dwayne Wade's, but he's just such a solid guy and he understands his bench and how to use him. Uh, you know, a lot of people would start Tyler Hero. They would or they would use him in a different way. He knows that's where Tyler Hero, you know, he knows that's his role. He knows his players' roles. And I, like, who knows, you know, Jimmy Buckets, Bam out of, out of bio, um, Kyle Lowry now, Duncan Robinson, who I was surprised didn't sign somewhere else, get a, get a mega, mega deal. I mean, they're, they, they are a part of a complete team. Are they an NBA finalist this year? Uh, probably not. I thought the COVID year was more of a fluke. And I still am not going to write off anybody outside of Philadelphia. And, well, Philadelphia with Ben Simmons, yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to write anybody outside of Mil Milwaukee off until I see better. And if Kyrie ever gets vaccinated, who knows? But, but, but all I'm thinking right now is if, if, if Miami does so much work early and really builds up, they're going to give themselves home court advantage for a couple rounds. And that's going to mean a lot in this year's playoffs, a lot, because the, all the fans are going to be back. I believe that, you know, when I, when I look at the way that team is constructed, it kind of reminds me, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a baseball analogy here, where it's like great baseball teams are strong up the middle, right? They have good pitching. They've got good defense, good, you know, center fielder, catcher, whatever. The, the key positions are, are all, you know, manned by solid people. And that's what I'm looking at with Miami. I'm looking at Jimmy Butler, who is an MVP candidate right now. He's averaging 25. He's a lockdown defender. He's tough as nails. He's kind of like the, 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 the spirit of, of, you know, the spirit guy on that team. Bam Adebayo who's like the quintessential modern NBA big. He's averaging like 20 and 14. He's a really good passer. He's aggressive. You can run offense through him. He can do a lot of things. Um, you mentioned Tyler Hero. Guy's just a bucket. Comes off the bench, ready to score, and does. He's averaging over 20. Um, and then Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's like the big addition to that team from last year. Kyle Lowry is like... Uh, I mean, you talk about a guy who fits into the quote unquote heat culture. It's Kyle Lowry. I don't know yep. that I've ever seen a grittier individual on an NBA court than Kyle Lowry. 
He takes charges. He makes big shots. He's he's a not the biggest guy, but he's just like fearless. Um, this is a Pat Riley. Yeah, you know, I was just gonna say right here. this is this is Pat. This is like a this is like a, a smaller version of John Starks. Uh, you know, a much smaller version of Anthony Mays. Like any think of any tough Vashawn Leonard. I mean, guy couldn't do anything but shoot threes, but he played D like nobody's business. James Jones, all the guys that shoot. Um, uh, Udonis Haslam. I mean, come on. Alonzo Mourning. What? Alonzo Mourning, yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, they all wore their heart on their sleeves. People used to say, um, you know, college basketball um, coaches used to say of Mike Krzyzewski and Bob Knight back in the day, they said, if anybody stayed more than two years at Duke or Indiana, don't take them because the thought was not that they were, you know, they were around too long, you know, what this was before the one and done area, but it was like, the idea was that they, they extracted so much, those coaches, those two coaches were so demanding and extracted so much out of their players that they just wouldn't have it when they got to the NBA, like like a lot of guys do. They just wouldn't have it. That's the same with Miami in the NBA. If you if someone's been in the Miami organization for more than ten years and um, and and they're not like LeBron James, I don't want them because they because the Heat has extracted every drop of emotion and heart and soul out of them. And so you know, so but whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the kind of place where you'd want your, your kid to play if he wasn't the greatest player in the world. He just wanted to be part of a great team and accomplish something. And there's no state income tax in Florida. Yeah, that too. And plus, <laughs> like, if your kid was an NBA player, like, tell me you wouldn't be getting hoochies left and right in the bar. I'm kidding, honey. I'm kidding. God. Oh, okay. All right. Um, let's close this out with... Um, uh, something that I really want, something near and dear to my heart, flopping. Ah. I, you know, the NBA was becoming um, World Cup soccer, where every foul was as if you'd been, you know, assaulted by eight people and, you know, and, and you wound up at the, at the police precinct not knowing who to accuse because so many people had hit and pounded and stomped on you. That's what these guys in the NBA were doing. It just became, everything became about acting. It used to be about drawing fouls and getting hit and getting to the line. All of a sudden it became about pretending you got hit so you could get a call on a guy. And I like that officials are not calling bullshit fouls and, or bullshit fouls and, and they're not rewarding the floppers and the flailers. Agreed or disagree? Oh, I agree with you completely. And one of the uh, one of the benefits of that, because there are fewer whistles, the pace of the games has been much better. I, I haven't done any research on this. This is just strictly anecdotal, but it seems that the games are taking less time from beginning to end because you don't have as many trips. You know, you're not seeing teams shooting 50 free throws in a game going going to the line 20, 25 times in a game. Uh, that just crushes the pace when when that's yeah. happening all the time, uh, particularly. And, and I agree with you, like, you know, James Harden was sort of the kind of the, the, the prime example of guys who were able to sort of, you know, um, 
get these like fouls, these crafty fouls where he'd, he'd position himself in such a way, whether it was kicking his leg or just kind of doing the up through with the shot when a guy's like guarding like this and he would do one of these deals. Um, it's great to not see as much of that. I think the scoring is down as a result. The pace is up. And I'm with you 100% on that. I'm, I, I, like, I like the product better this way. Now, again, there is such a thing as going in the wrong direction too much with that. But so far, I think they're they're definitely you know in a, in a good window when it comes to that. Look at you. I, I I am I am so frustrated by the flopping, and I've talked to my friends in Mex Mexico, Ciudad de Mexico, um, to you, uh, Mexico City to most of the world, but they call it Ciudad de de Mexico. I took Spanish in high school, Mike. I oh yeah, yeah. I Como estas? Um, we be in. Okay. That's it? That's all you got? Gracias. Sonata? <laughs> uh, if I see this flopping anymore, I am going to um, I'm going to get some of my Mexican soccer goons down here to take some of these NBA players out. And I'm not kidding. Okay. All right. Have, yeah, have you mean, played any, have you played any pickup ball on the uh, on the hard courts outdoors in Mexico City yet? Have you in uh, and uh, and the boys gone out there and uh, had any uh, you know competition? Yeah, yeah, we played some guys from Costa Rica that were visiting this weekend, and um, and uh, Oliver was lighting it up uh, on the. Um, they have this little court outside a shoe store that they sort of let people go play for free. Nobody, they're behind. It's a behind closed uh, these bars, so no one really knows it's there. And so I go in there and take them in there, and they got chain link nets. Old, like old school like the old and, ymca uh, I, nets i love that yeah yeah and i i tell this this kid his name was deshaun from uh, costa rica he was 13 and i told him to just work over oliver and uh and he did he beat him up pretty bad but oliver um oliver eventually adjusted and i'm, I'm trying to get it i'm trying to get him to work on his left hand left hand is a separator at 11 years old uh, <laughs> because every dad should have a child that make, can make left hand layups um, it's, it's important for everybody. It is depressing, man. People just aren't into the pickup game like they are back there. You know, it's, oh. a, it's a, but I'll tell you what, these kids in the park, I can watch them play soccer all day. They'll be oh, six, I'm sure seven years old, man. They, they like their feet or their hands. It's amazing. I'm sure, you know, the average kid that you watch would be a superstar in most American high schools at the game at soccer. Oh, oh, clearly, clearly. Well, and that's that's the other thing. Oliver's getting a um, an inflated sense of his own worth down here. He's going to go back there and basically have his shot um, thrown into row D by many players when he gets back there. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Let's, let's, let's knock it out here, my friend. Okay, Mike, we have a new editor, Drew Rich. And he has been a great addition to our team. So we'd like to thank Drew for working his magic at the keyboard. Uh, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Drew. Uh, check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is back. And I joined Otto and Aaron for a discussion of the Celtics issues, Zion Williamson's health problems, which we should definitely take up in an upcoming show, and a segment on how the presence of NBA-sanctioned gambling will affect the type of information that fans should expect to get from the teams and the league, right? Um, 
load management, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is back, and they debated which team is better, the Knicks or the Chicago Bulls. They also teed up some college hoop uh, with a little uh, sizing up of the top 10 teams in men's and women's hoop. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman hope to return soon with the Pure Hoops podcast on Fridays. And of course, a new Mike Wise show every week. And, um, you know, if you'd like to hear some choice discussions on all of our shows, as you well know, go to YouTube, search for Pure Hoops Media. Mike, I love that hat, baby. <laughs> Look, get vaccinated. And if you already are vaccinated, get your booster shot. Don't be like Kyrie Irving. Until next time, America, world, Mexico. Adios, aloha. Hasta luego, mi, mi amigos. See ya. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.